welcome to Church on the Rock. We are so glad to have you here worshiping with us this morning. I have a scripture that I'd like to share with you. It is from Psalms 38.4. It says, shout your praises to God, everybody. Let loose and sing. Shake the heavens, shake the lands, sh and strike up the band. I want to tell you what, the part that stuck out to me was let loose. So often we come in and we're burdened down. We bring things with us and we're not really fully praising God. Let's let loose, leave it here, and shout out to God. Praise God. I don't want to sing another song Just to hear myself to bring you more than empty words because you mean so much more to me i won't let the rocks cry they won't praise you more than me if it doesn't touch your heart Father, I don't want to sing Cause if your presence isn't with me Then I don't want to go You move me. 
me close and let me stay I won't move unless you move me Draw me close and let me stay Jesus, we love you this morning. Is that your prayer this morning? Draw us closer to you, Jesus. You're worthy, Lord. You 
any of the promises God made. And that's the powerful thing about corporate worship. When you come together, they're just an atmosphere of faith. And we have an altar team that's going to come up, and they're agreeing with you. And I'm telling you, this is a miracle time, a time for God to do miracles. But I asked yesterday, I just asked in the Lord, say, you know, what do you want to do this service? And what do you want to accomplish? Just kind of talking to him. And what came up in my spirit, what I thought, I just immediately went to Psalm 103. And now I found out Pastor starts his message with that, so that's kind of comfort. Okay, Lord, you are communicating to me. But you know he wants to communicate to all of us, but sometimes you just got to ask him some questions and then just kind of stop and listen a little bit. But you know what Psalm 103 says? It says, don't forget his benefits. He removes all our iniquities. He heals all of our diseases. He redeems our lives from the pit. He crowns us with loving kindness and compassion. He renews our youth like the eagles. Those are some good promises, aren't they? That's some good benefits that we got serving God. It's worth serving God. So altar team's coming right now. If you're sick in your body, let somebody agree and pray with you for a miracle if necessary. If you just need to make a decision of some sort, you want some, some wisdom from God, come pray with somebody. If you just feel like you're in a pit right now and you need God just to lift you out of that, come and agree with somebody. Whatever your needs are, we're going to agree with you and believe for God to answer that need in Jesus' name. Amen.
sing that second verse one time, but before we do, I just want to say, you know, I don't know if you've ever felt like that. You know, it just felt like you're unworthy. You know, maybe you begin to listen to the lies that the enemy sometimes, you know, begins to whisper in our ear and say this and that, and we begin to believe it instead of what God is saying about us, that we're redeemed, we've been bought with a price. Amen? So as we sing that again, Lord, we just declare, Lord, we're glad that you're not done with us yet. And I've been called unworthy, named by the voice of shame and regret. Come on, somebody sing it out with me this morning like you mean to say, Lord. But when I hear you whisper, shall lift up your head, I remember, oh God, you're not done with me. If you're thankful for that in this place, let's really give him some praise. He's worthy, amen. Lord, we thank you for that, and we bless you in this house, Jesus. You're so good to us, Lord. Hey, well, why don't you turn around to a couple people this morning in the house and tell them how happy you are to see them? Because I am redeemed. You said. Welcome to Church on a Rock. We're so glad you're here worshiping with us. In the back of the chair in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of opportunities to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. If you're a first time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you. You can either drop it in the offering or you can take it across the hall to the Connect Room where you'll receive a free gift bag. We offer Saturday night meals and snacks between Sunday services. And don't forget, the coffee bar is always open. We're so glad you're here and we hope that you know there's always a place for you at Church on the Run. Constitution Day is September 17th. On that date in 1787, the Constitution of these United States of America was officially signed. The Sunday before Constitution Day is, as of now, Constitution Sunday. It's fitting and proper for churches and Christians across America to celebrate the signing of this historic document. You see, our founding fathers patterned America's form of government after that form of civil government chosen by God for the emerging nation of Israel 3,193 years earlier. 
In Deuteronomy chapter 17, God determined that Israel's civil government would be based on written law, not upon the whims of majorities or the brute force of tyrants. 400 years before Israel's first king, God had Moses write the rules for their constitutional republic, ordering any future king to write a copy of the law in his own handwriting in the presence of the priest, read it daily, and follow it explicitly. Once America's constitution was in place, it's no wonder that Thomas Jefferson wrote about binding men down from mischief by the chains of the constitution. It's no wonder George Washington wrote, it is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. Church on the Rock, Texarkana, Texas, is declaring America's first ever Constitution Sunday. It is to be observed annually on the Sunday preceding Constitution Day. We will encourage all churches across America to join us in celebrating the biblical basis of our great Constitution. Each person present for our weekend services is receiving a copy of the U.S. Constitution with an insert outlining the scriptural principles on which it was built. God will bless America when America blesses God once again. As a woman, every day is a fight. Like a small boat in the ocean Making big waves in emotion like how a single word can make a heart open I might only have a one match I can make an explosion A fight for my home, a fight for my family, my friendships, my faith Life is full of ups and downs, but no matter what happens, I'll never back down from the fight This is my fight song Join us at the annual Church on the Rock Women's Conference as we prepare to fight. October 16th and 17th at the beautiful Hilton Rockwall Lakefront Resort. Register today at churchontherock.org. 18 months ago, we kicked off a campaign called Imagine More so we could have more space here at Church on the Rock to reach more people. God has blessed us with lots of folks coming in the weekend services, and one of the first things that we planned to do in the Imagine More was our stage. And obviously you can see our stage and sanctuary has been done. I'm thrilled to tell you that we had to borrow for that. We've paid off 60% of it already, what we had to borrow, just from our regular tithing. The second thing we planned to do was to get a big new electronic sign uh, on the interstate. And I'm thrilled to tell you we've got money set aside for that. Right now we're going through the city for permits and uh, it's paid for through your regular tithing and giving. But as far as the construction on the building, we have been meeting regularly with our architect, refining the plans. We're almost at a place where we can start letting out the plans for bids to come up with a more accurate number. Uh, we've raised over $285,000, and that's wonderful in the last 18 months, but it's gonna cl cost closer to $3 million. It's a lot of money, but if all of us literally do what the Lord tells us to do, together we can see this facility grow as we reach more people for Christ. Our hope is that we can break ground this spring, so please join me as we commit afresh to imagine more of what we can do for God and His kingdom right here in Texarkana, USA.
we're going to dedicate a little baby today. What is this baby's name? His name's Ivan. Ivan. Does he have a last name? Weiner. He could be a Miller. Close. Tell you what, I'm going to swap. I'm going to let you take that and introduce some people. And can I hold him? Absolutely. Hi, buddy. What do you want to say to these people? This is my family. This is my dad and my mom, my sister, her boyfriend. This is my mother-in-law, Kim, my soon-to-be sister-in-law, twice removed, and my father-in-law, John. We're done with you guys now. Tell everybody hello out there. Tell them who your favorite pastor is. You are. Have you got a girl picked out yet? Yeah, there's one in the nursery he likes. You know, a lot of people today would say, I don't want to bring a child into the world. The world's a bad place. Well, it is a bad place. But how many know if kids are bringing light into the world, come on, if they have answers, the world needs godly kids. I mean, the world needs people. It's a tough world out there. It's, it's an increasingly anti-Christian world. But guess what? When God has young people, old people that are light bearers and standard bearers and truth bearers in the world, how many know it can turn the world around for a great awakening for Christ? And that's what we believe in a baby dedication. It's really a family dedication. It's, a, it's an affirmation that in your home, uh, aunts and uncles and friends and family that we'll each do our part to try to make sure that this little guy grows up to be a godly guy, that he'll learn the Bible, he'll learn how to pray. So no one, I mean, no, no one can ever stop you from praying. Silly government might say you can't pray at a football game or school, but they can never stop us from seeking God. And if it's in this little guy's heart, he's going to be a light in the world wherever he goes. But he'll learn the light not just from the Sunday school teacher and not just from the pastor, but primarily from mom and dad and grandparents and sisters, brothers, friends, because he'll see that Christianity's real. It's not just an empty religion. Lift your hand towards this little guy. We want to bless this family today. Lord, I'm so grateful today that as I thought about this little boy, I thought about somebody that's going to be a light bearer, someone, Lord, that's going to have answers for a world that's in trouble. And I just want to pray over this little boy today. I just want to pray that he grows up to be godly. Lord, I pray that the maladies of childhood would, would pass him by. Lord, that he is raised as, at a young age to know the Lord and God, his life, Lord, is kept in the palm of your hand. Bless mom and dad and all his family and all their journeys in life. The greatest gift mom and dad can give is a family that loves each other all their days. And we bless them in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Say, I'll see y'all later. Say, if you want to hold me, come to the nursery sometimes. We need nursery helpers in there. <laughs> God bless you guys. Amen. Everybody doing good today? Join church so far? It'll be a great message too. How many actually turn on your heater driving to church this morning? Kind of a good feeling maybe. But uh, kind of a change of seasons, football time, kind of a neat time when you're changing seasons. But also it's a good time to get connected. That little ministry guy in the back of your chair will tell you all the different classes, especially Wednesday night, small groups, classes, what's going on in the sanctuary. But get connected. Good time of the year to uh, make some fresh commitments and seek the Lord. Amen? Hallelujah. We've also, uh, as you saw in there, we've got constitutions that our Culture Impact team will be giving away right after service. So as you exit the building, be sure to get one of these. Get one for your teenager, little insert in there. But if you'd like to help be a part of the Culture Impact group, just talk to one of those handing out these little uh, uh, constitutions. And Because you know what? How do you change America? 
by changing the culture in our own community. You got to start in your community and you start there and get God back on the foundation of things. I'm telling you, God needs America, don't we? Amen. We're continuing to worship the Lord with our tithes and offerings. You know, the scripture in Hebrews 6, verse 11 and 12, we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you should not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. How many know God has a lot of promises for us, especially even concerning our finances? But we got to have faith and patience. That's basically the Christian life. It's about faith. It's about serving God. And it says those who endure to the end will be saved. It's about patience. When you ask God for something and you say that amen, and then that time between the answered prayer and when you said that amen, that's where you need the faith. That's where you need the patience. Amen. I just want to say thank God for a church that's a giving church that touches missionaries and money around the world, but especially those that have been faithful in their commitments to the Imagine More. The campaign, it's been going on for 18 months, and you haven't heard or seen a lot, but people have continued to be faithful and just continue to be. And maybe if you're just hearing about this, really pray how you can be a part. Because if everybody's a little bit, I'm telling you, we'll see this building go up and expanded. We're going to reach more people, better nurseries, better classrooms, and everything just to make better, more disciples. Amen? So God bless you as you give today. Unstoppable. You look around the world, how many know the world's in trouble? 
ISIS is growing, Iran's gonna get a nuclear weapon, you look at the economies of the world being shaken, but how many know our God reigns? And ultimately, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So join with me in prayer. Lord, today we just thank you that you are unstoppable. It doesn't mean we won't have problems, but it simply means that God and us are a majority. And we want to ask you, Lord, to help us continually stay on your side as we see your kingdom go forwards in this earth. We just welcome you today, Holy Spirit. And in our own life, we know that you're an unstoppable God. Lord, whatever our struggles may be today, whatever our needs may be, Lord, with you, all things are possible. So we ask today as we open the Bible that its words would literally live in us. Let them leap off the page, Lord, and speak to us today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Amen. Hey, welcome your neighbor, and you may be seated. Hi, my name is Linnell Miller, and I am Pastor John's wife. Let me tell you my story about when I said yes to God. I was raised in a preacher's family, so by birth I was a preacher's kid. I married a pastor, so therefore I'm a pastor's wife. But by passion, I'm a missionary. I remember as a little girl when I felt the call of God in my life, I thought I'm going to marry a man just like my daddy who's gonna pastor and I'm gonna be a pastor's wife just like my mama. But then I met John, we got married, we came here to Texarkana, we were pastoring. I was happy raising my children, serving alongside my husband. And I remember when my children were young that I was having an encounter with God and I was laying in his presence and I remember Jesus looking me in the eye and he looked me in the eye and he said, Linnell, do you want everything I have for you? And I remember laying there crying because I knew what he was asking me. I knew he was asking me a difficult thing. He was asking me if I would be willing to be a preacher of the good news. And I didn't like women preachers. And he was asking me if I would be willing to travel the world and I didn't want to leave my family. And I laid there and I struggled and Jesus looked at me again and he said, Linnell, do you want everything I have for you? And I cried and cried and cried, and I finally looked him in the eyes and I said, Yes, Lord, I want everything you have for me. And I remember seeing in my mind's eye Jesus doing the old Toyota hop with his hand reached into the air, his feet kicked out to the side, and he said, Yes, because I said yes. Let me tell you what my life looks like today. I am traveling the world preaching to women around the world, telling them who they are in Christ, giving them hope for their future, imparting spiritual gifts to them, speaking the truth of God's word to them. Let me tell you, if you will say yes, God can do mighty things in your life. I may not be the smartest, I may not be the most gifted, talented person, I have sisters that are more eloquent than I am, but I said yes to God, and that's why God chose me. Well, that's my wife, Linnell. She's with her mom. Her mom had surgery, and she's be back on Wednesday. But I said yes to her 32 years ago, and I'm still saying yes, ma'am. So I'm, uh, I'm in pretty good shape. Hey, we've been doing a series called The Power of Yes. And the idea is that when I say yes to God's Word, the Scripture, when I say yes to the Holy Spirit, my life takes on eternal significance and fulfillment. It's been a, a challenge to the disciple. You know, Jesus told us if we wanted to follow him, and how many know that's where it's at, believing first and following second, Jesus is Savior and Jesus is Lord. 
and, but, but after I give my life to Christ, he wants me to follow him, to put him first in all the things that I do in my life. But I want to tell you this this morning as we shift a little bit. Saying yes to God has benefits in our life. Saying yes to God, we connect or engage with a Father in heaven that cares about the daily struggles of our life. Uh, Psalm 103 is where we're going to begin. Psalm 103 verse 2 says, Praise the Lord, my soul, and... See, when I do this, it doesn't mean I'm scratching my ear. Uh, I, I want you to read the scripture on the screen. So let's try that again. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and... Yeah, forget not all his benefits. The word benefit, it means God's favor that he shows to me. It's his kindness. The New Living Translation says, May I never forget the good things that God does for me. He forgives my sins and he heals all my diseases. Aren't you glad that God's forgiveness washes away anything I've done in my past? He gives me hope for healing. He redeems your life from the pit. In other words, when you're at your lowest spot, God can bring you out. He crowns you with love and compassion. That's God's feelings towards us. He satisfies our desires with good things. And the picture here is God is a good God in a troubled world. This is not an isolated message in the sense that only good things happen to Christians. How many know Christians grow through difficulties in this life? Jesus said, in this world, we're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. But the nature of our Heavenly Father is to care for His children, to bless us, to provide for us. I'm going to talk very specifically this morning, about, very practically, about two particular areas. But I'm going to talk about how God wants to uh, help us when we get in a ditch. He wants to help us when we get in trouble. God wants to help us get out. And secondly, I want to talk about God meeting our daily needs. You can say it this way. God wants to put money in the bank and food on the table. He is a Father that cares about us. See, I'm a father and I care about my kids. I've got a 15-year-old now that's learning to drive. Everybody say, pray for the preacher. <laughs> She's doing a great job, though. But she has in her mind, she wants a car for her birthday. Now, look, you can buy the car out of obligation or because you need to or have to or don't want to take them places. But you know what? My daughter's in a great place in her life. She's serving God. She's got a good, gentle spirit about her. And, and something inside me, the better she does, the more I want to be able to give to her the more I want to be able to provide the best that I can for her. And that's the way love works. That's the way your heavenly Father looks at us. We're not trying to earn brownie points with God or just get Him to do things for us. But because we love Him, come on, He loves us back. So this is a very practical message about how the daily rigors of life, how God cares and is concerned, and He wants to bless us, to give us benefits as we say yes to Him. And I've entitled the message, Saying Yes has benefits. We're going to look at two stories. We're going to look at a New Testament passage where Paul, the great apostle, found himself in prison. We'll talk about what he, how he got out, what he said yes to God. Uh, we'll go to the Old Testament and look at a starving prophet. His name was Elijah and a widow woman, a God-fearer that got God's attention and how both of those found provision for the future as they said yes to God. So let's get into the Word together. Acts chapter 16. How many believe the Bible is literally the inspired Word of God? That it's not just nice sayings or stories, but it is literally the Word of God that speaks to us today. I, I have a, a high view of Scripture. If you wonder why some churches have 
are doing things that seem anti-biblical. They are doing things that you make you scratch your head and say, I don't understand that. It's because we've lost a high view of Scripture. We've lost the, the Bible as authoritative. We've lost the sense that the Bible is literally God's Word, and we've replaced it with a multitude of things, the opinion of experts, the majority, whatever the case is. But I'm somebody that literally believes the Bible is still God's Word. Come on. It speaks to us today, and it's valid for the way that we live. Well, Acts 16, it's the story of Paul the Apostle. He's gone to a city, and he says, One day as we're going down to the place of prayer, this is where the Jewish people were gathering. Paul's, uh, what he would typically do, he would first go and he would speak to Jews about Jesus. If they rejected him, then he would pursue his mission to the Gentiles. Well, going to the place of prayer, he met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. Now, one translation says a spirit of divination. It's two Greek words that literally mean a python spirit. Python, of course, a picture of Satan himself. And here the scripture tells us that some people have a demonic ability to speak supernaturally, to be able to look into the future and predict it or, or tell people things uh, that they don't know about themselves. This is, called, this is kind of the counterpart to the biblical word of knowledge or word of wisdom or prophecy. I mean, you know, Satan always has a counterfeit. And this is it in this woman. Well... Paul, verse 18, said to the demon within her. By the way, if I could go back to that idea of, of telling fortunes. You see psychic signs everywhere, 800 numbers, call the psychic. Listen, most of that's a bunch of baloney. They just want your money. But there are people that are demonically inspired, and how many know we want to stay away from that as a Christian? Well, Paul said to the demon within her. And it's interesting because in our culture today would laugh at you if you would say there's such a thing as demons. But what would cause educated, grown men and women to take a job and sit across the table with someone and discuss the dissection of a baby's body that had been aborted, and they would cut open a child's face and take out their brain intact and have a conversation across the table about what they would sell that brain for? The same baby that could survive outside of the womb being cut up and dissected, come on, as you would if you shot an animal or the pieces of chicken that you eat on your table that you buy at the grocery store. How could, how could, how could a society murder, it's now up to 56 million people, some in a partial birth abortion where the child is virtually born, the head's still in its mother's womb, its skull is crushed, its brains are extracted. How, how, how could people... I suggest to you there's a demonic root in our society. There's a demonic root behind the violence that spreads across America. The lawlessness that we see in our society at all levels. Demons are at work in this day. If they worked in Jesus' day, they're certainly at work in our day. And, G and Paul said to this demon, he said, come out in the name of Jesus. And instantly this spirit left her. I mean, no, that's the same thing the early disciples did as they ministered to people. Would to God that you and I could believe that God could use us to do help people get free in the same way. Well, the Spirit leaves her. Her master's hopes or wealth are shattered. They grab Paul and Silas, drag them before the Roman authorities, and now they're severely beaten. You see, in their world, in the Jewish, or the Jewish, the Roman Empire, you could have any religion you want to, but you couldn't convert people. Particularly, they didn't want Jews converting people to Judaism or Christians. So Christians and Jews were hated in the Roman Empire. Paul was perceived as someone who was trying to proselytize. And uh, so now he's in double trouble. So he's beaten. He's thrown into prison. And he's in the dungeon. 
and he, they clamp his feet in the stocks. I mean, this is the worst kind of solitary confinement. No TV, no HBO, no nothing like that. Uh, and around midnight, Paul and Silas were complaining. Around midnight, they wondered, why in the world are we following Jesus? Are we stupid? Paul, what's wrong with you? Did you just miss it? Maybe we should have gone to another city. In the middle, at midnight, backs beaten. Now, when they say they were beaten, this is one of the three times that Paul was beaten with rods. If you can imagine a stick as big as my finger, 39 times across your back. I'm telling you, you're hurting, you're bleeding, you're bruised, you're in prison, it's midnight, you're tired, you're sleepy, you can't lay down because of the chains, and now this guy is praying and praising the Lord. He's praying and singing hymns. Prisoners are listening, and suddenly, aren't you glad for God's suddenlies? The only bad thing about God suddenly is they wait a while before they get here. Sometimes you have to, I mean, I wish it would have come before the beating. But suddenly, there's a massive earthquake. Remember now, we live in an evil world that Adam and Eve gave us. Satan is loosed in it. Sin is in the midst of it. And we, it's kind of like vegetable soup. There's a good God, but there's also, come on, broccoli and celery and carrots and whatever else is in there. And your kids just want to pick out what they want to. We do the same things with God. We say, how could this violent tornado happen if God is a good God? I'm telling you, friend, we live in an evil world that has an evil director to it. He called Satan himself. Well, the jailer wakes up. Oh, the doors fly open. The chains of every prisoner fall off. The jailer wakes up. He assumes the prisoners had escaped, drew his sword to kill himself. Because Romans were required by Roman law, if they lost a prisoner, they'd have to, they'd have to commit, uh, commit suicide. Well, Paul shouted to himself, stop, don't kill yourself, we're all here. Now, what would you do if you were in an earthquake and everything started shaking? Or if you were a prisoner and the prisoner doors opened wide, what would you do? Come on, you'd skedaddle. But not one person's left. Now listen to the story. The jailer, uh, Paul shouted to him, don't kill yourself. The jailer fell down trembling before Paul and Silas and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I wonder where he heard about that. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus. You'll be saved along with everyone in your household. Now, just a minute, let's listen to what Jesus said about persecution. Religious persecution is an all-time high in America, and it's getting worse today. But in John 16, Paul now, he just helped a girl get free, and he preached the gospel to help people get to heaven. But Jesus said, I've told you all this, that you would trust me, you'd be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace. In this godless world, you'll continue to experience difficulties, but take heart, I've conquered the world. So if I, as a Christian, end up in prison for serving Jesus or face difficulties, how many know I can still have peace in the prison because Christ is the Prince of Peace? Well, that's exactly where Paul found himself. Now, my question, though, is how did he get out of prison and what can I learn from it? You may think, well, that's an amazing, incredible story. Yeah, well, the same God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same God that got Paul out of his mess can help get you out of your mess and maybe there's something we can do to foster that. And I suggest there's two things that we'll see. Number one, it's the fact that Paul uh, 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 was committed to his spiritual disciplines. I mean, no, he prayed and he worshiped. Now, we're going to come back to that. 
disciplines in the life of a Christian. How many know if you want to live a healthy life, you need to have a good diet, you need to eat the right foods, you need to exercise, you need to do things that, 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 that will produce health. Well, in the same way, spiritually, we do things that produce health. We pray, we read the scripture, we come to church, we, we share our faith, we're involved in God's kingdom, and it produces health. That was the first thing Paul said yes to. And the second thing he said yes to was his mission which was reaching people for Christ. Now, let's look at them. Paul said yes to these spiritual disciplines, and the first one was prayer. Now, how many know he was going to the place of prayer, and then when he was in prison, he prayed some more? And the point is, is that he prayed before the problem, and then he prayed when he was in the middle of the problem. And later in Thessalonians, he wrote this. He said, never stop praying. Now, when I was 18, 19, I was not a Christian uh, my mom would make me go to church, but I believed there was a God. And whenever I was in trouble, I'd pray. Anybody kind of similar to that? Yeah? Well, I can remember one time I was driving home when I had no business driving. I needed a designated driver. And uh, you say, gosh, was our preacher like that? Yeah, I was just like you. <laughs> I saw the light and I said yes. But I'm driving home and I, and I knew I had a problem in front of me. And I asked and prayed that God would help me get home. It's so, like I took him off the shelf invited him to drive, when as soon as I got home, I put him back on the shelf, and I started living for John again. Now it's different in my life today. Now I get up in the morning, and I say, good morning, Lord. When I go to bed at night, you know, I say, good night, Lord, watch over me as I sleep. I have a, 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 a concerted time where I pray and I talk to God. See, my wife's in California. We text several times. She's texted me three or four times this morning. We'll call each other, not because we have to, not because we have a question, but because we want relationship with one another. See, and prayer is a part of the relationship God wants to have with us. And guess what? If you're a praying person, it'll come out in times of trouble. I was with my son last week up in Rogers, and we were in a parking lot, and he was driving, kind of driving a little fast, and there was this woman that was coming, and she didn't stop, you know, and I'm thinking, uh-oh. And the first thing out of my mouth was, Shazam. <laughs> You'll get that. No, it wasn't. The first thing out of my mouth was, Jesus, help us. And I didn't have to think about it. I didn't have to see that it was the time to pray. It was in me. And I'll suggest to you, if prayer is in you, when you have a crisis, come on, you're going to be able to connect with God right in the middle of it and know what you need to do to get out of it. Now, here's the second thing. At midnight, not only were they praying, but they were singing worship to God. This is a spiritual discipline. It's worship. Uh, uh, maybe you come to church and you don't even get here for the worship. That's just singing. You don't like to sing. Well, listen, worship is a healthy thing for a believer. Worship recognizes the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Worship is our way to express our thanks. Now, Paul, after he wrote, never stop praying, the very next verse is, he said, thank God no matter what happens. So here, in the middle of his difficulty, Paul is thanking God in the middle at midnight. Now, he's not thanking God because he's hurting. He's thanking God because God's still a good God in an evil world. My wife had a, a, a breast cancer, and she had to have several lymph nodes removed. And uh, that's a problem because you can get lymphedema, you know, where your, your, your arms swell up from the fluid. And they tell her you can't pick up over 15 pounds. And sometimes it, it bothers her, you know, when, when uh, she thinks about a grandchild. How am I going to pick up my grandbaby? And, and when, when, when we start to feel sorry for ourselves, we look at each other and say, thank God I'm alive. 
Thank God that you're alive today. And that's exactly what Paul was doing. He didn't want to be in prison. He didn't do anything to deserve it. But in the middle of the prison, he thanked God because God's still a good God. And I will suggest to you, these are reasons, these spiritual disciplines that just flow out from us in our prayer and our worship and our connection to God, they could well be your ticket out of the prison. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Yeah. Uh, let's look at another one that I think is, is quite profound. Paul said yes to his mission. Now, remind you, mind you now, this series is about saying yes to God. Paul said yes to these spiritual disciplines, and it was a part of his life, his worship and his prayer. But he said yes to his mission. Now, what is this? As I said earlier, if I was in that prison and the earthquake happened, I would probably run out as soon as it happened. But Paul didn't. He stayed there, and he led somebody to Christ, and then they led their family to Christ. It was like the number one thing in Paul's life was to see as many people get to heaven as he could. And can I suggest to you that is exactly what we need to be doing. We need to be saying yes to the mission that God has given us and yes to, to whatever we can do to reach more people for Christ. See, we have a pastor friend. He comes here on occasions and he pastors in the Middle East. He's a, he's a former Muslim and he left the Middle East because he was shot and left for dead. I mean, bullet holes... He was in a prison. They pulled his teeth out, and somehow an American got him to America to get him some teeth implants, and, and he married an American woman, could have had a great life here. He could have started a ministry and, and doing whatever to help the Middle Eastern church, but guess what he did? He goes back there, and right in the middle of the ISIS turmoil right now where they're chopping Christians' heads off, but you don't hear much of that in the media, do you? Isn't it amazing how it's okay to attack Christians. It just is, friends. It's a world we live in today. A world that was founded by godly people who recognized and believed there was a God. Today, we're becoming the enemies of society and culture. But here's a guy who literally was almost killed for his faith, but now goes back and ministers to the very people. And I asked him one day why he did that, and he said, because Jesus has called me there, and that's where my ministry is. Now, look, you may try to be, and it's a good thing to try to preserve your life and be safe and all that. But listen, more important than anything else in life is the mission that God has given us. Because just like that, somebody's going to be doing your funeral or you're going to be coming to mine. Come on. And our life on this earth is over. I don't care how many supplements you take. I don't care how much you exercise. Come on. I don't care how much organic food that you eat. One day, you're going to breathe your last breath and stand before God. And then what's going to matter is what did you do for Christ? How many people's lives were influenced? Friends, it's like we're on a giant search and rescue mission. If you can imagine a Girl Scout troop, was it, is it uh, perhaps Wright-Patman Lake, and, and they're camping out, and in the middle of the night, these three little nine-year-olds get this idea that they're, gonna, you know, they're just going to sneak outside. And it's cold outside. It's pretty cold. They've been in their little cozy sleeping bags, and they wander off and get lost. And then, lo and behold, all the law enforcement fire, everybody's out there searching for these little girls because they know that they could die. And people in search and rescue, some are, are trained to, uh, with dogs that would, 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 would pick up the scent. Others may be divers. Others may have drones that can fly over. But everybody's got a part to play. Somebody's bringing them coffee. Somebody's organizing the, the search. Somebody's just walking around screaming her name. But they're looking for a life. 
There's an innocent children out there that could die. Well, my friends, if people don't know Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life, they'll face an eternity without God. And you and I need to be on mission. And Satan may attack us and throw us in prison like he did Paul, but in the midst of prison, God can open people's hearts, come on, and they can make steps to Christ because you and I were committed to him. And I suggest to you, if you're living that kind of life, God has a vested interest to keep you alive and to keep you out of prison once your work is done. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord this morning. Let's look at one more, very practical. 1 Kings 17, saying yes to God can put food on the table and money in the bank. Now, I don't mean that we're trying to use God, but I'm saying our Father that wants to provide good things for us. Didn't Jesus tell us to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, Matthew 6, And He would give us what? Food, shelter, and clothing. Well, this same God now is at work. First Kings 17, it's a very difficult time. See, perhaps you were raised with a, in a theology that said, if you really serve the Lord and have faith, you don't have problems. Well, my friend... I've found that people who sin to serve the Lord the most may have the most problems because Satan's out to get in your face. He wants to stop you. Well, here Elijah the prophet has been prophesying. There's a famine, which means there's not hardly any food. You can't run to Sam's to get it. There's a drought. There's not much drinking water. And there's starvation all around them. The prophet's food and water has dried up, his source. And now he's hungry and there's a God-fearing widow woman that's hungry as well. And I want you to see how they said yes that opened the doors of provision for them. 1 Kings 17, verse 8, the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath. Now, this was not in the region of Judea. It was on the coast. Uh, these were not uh, Jewish people there. He said, I've instructed a widow there to feed you. Now, if you heard the Lord say that, I'm sure you would do just like I do. I would think and say, well, gosh, this widow woman must have had a rich husband and left her a lot of money, and she's got a lot of servants and people working in the farm, and, and I'm just going to be on easy street because I'm going to go in. She's going to introduce myself. She's going to give me a room to stay in, and I'll have plenty of food to, to last the famine. Well, that's probably what you would think, but you're going to see that the most unlikely person in the world was the guy who fed her or the woman who fed him. Uh, verse 10, he arrives at the gates of the village. Now, mind you, here's a guy that doesn't have food that God tells him what to do. How I many know you can say no to God? You can say, I'll do it later. Or you can say yes to God. Well, he said yes. He arrived, verse 10, at the gates of the village, and he sees a widow gathering sticks. He said, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? Mind you now, they're in a drought. Well, she goes to get it, and he calls to her, bring me a little piece of bread too. But she said this, I swear by the Lord your God. She's a God-fearer. She is likely like Cornelius of the New Testament. She had a fear of the living God but didn't know him. She said, I don't have any bread. I don't even have a single piece of bread in the house. All I've got is a little handful of flour in the jar. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook my last meal and my son and I will die. Now, look, when, when your kids call you, I got a text not too long ago and said, there's no food in this house to eat. <laughs> I looked in the pantry and I thought, lots in there. I looked in the fridge, lots in there. I looked in the freezer, lots in there. But the code was, there's nothing I can microwave that I really want to eat right quick. Uh, would you go to the grocery store? <laughs> or better yet, would you just give me some money and I'll go out to eat somewhere. But in this, we can't imagine this. Because in America today, we've got as much food as we want whenever we want it. Can you imagine not even having a piece of bread? 
but just having a little handful of flour and a little bit of oil, and you're going to cook it up, and you're going to make your last supper. Now, I've never been in a place like that, but a man and a woman that had caught God's attention were in that very spot. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, because the first thing we tend to do when there's, when, when, when there's a crisis, the first thing we want to do is get scared, draw back. You know, the world's going to fall apart, so... You know, you stock up on water and you stock up on food. I had water under my bed in Y2K, if you can remember that, and the jugs all leaked and the water all spilled out on the rug. I mean, I mean, you say, well, I've got all this food. Yeah, well, what if your neighbors see you in your generator and smoke coming out of your chimney and they just decide they're going to come and take your food? Or, or, or what if you are, are, are putting your money in gold and silver and, and you're going to bury it all in the yard? Like I know some of you, you can't even remember today what you had for lunch yesterday. Come on, you're going to forget where you put the stuff. We need to plan for the future, but at the same time, you can't guarantee the future. You cannot guarantee it, and fear can get in. Elijah said, go ahead and do what you've said, but make a little bread for me first, and then use what's left to prepare a meal for you and your son, for this is what the Lord says. This is going to be key. God is speaking. How many know you can say yes or no to that? The Lord says, this is like somebody praying for you and say, hey, I feel like this is what the Lord's saying. Now, you judge it. You want to, you know, you want to judge it and make sure that it's the Lord. But God could be speaking. He could be seen through a prophecy, a dream. But will I do what he says? The Lord says, um, there'll always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. What does verse 15 said? She did it. She did what Elijah said, and they continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil in the containers, just as the Lord promised. Now, how many believe God's faithful to fulfill his promises? Absolutely. Sometimes we may not have enough. We may not be able to borrow what we need. We may run out of options. But can I tell you, God has a way when there seems to be no way. God is the one that can put a gold coin in a fish's mouth. God is the one that can cause somehow her jar of flour and oil to just continue to replenish itself. Now, these are notable miracles, but can I tell you this, friends? The same God provides for you and I. He just, just does it for most of us through our jobs. So there's a source of income that comes through us. And could I suggest to you that just because we have the ability to work or, or we're on some kind of substance or some allowance, God is still the one that's behind that. God is the one that puts daily bread. God is the one that gave me a job. Come on. God is the one that's caring for me through a disability policy when I cannot care for myself. You see, when Jesus told us to pray that God would give us this day daily bread, God is the source of every client that walks in the door. Come on. God is the source of whatever it may be that's facilitating financial increase in our life. God is the one that's behind it. But oftentimes, we've got to do what he says. Now, let me give you a couple of examples. The first thing that we can learn from this story is Elijah said yes to God. You remember, he went to Zarephath. He found the widow. But the widow said yes to God's prophet. And this is a perfect illustration of if we will say yes to the commands of Scripture. And how many know God's commands are not intended to hurt us or crimp our style? When the Bible says to flee sexual immorality, it's not because God wants to steal your fun. It's because he wants to keep you from an unwanted pregnancy, come on, an abortion, keep you from a sexually transmitted disease, or perhaps greater, he wants, to get, he wants to make sure that you are more apt to have a happy marriage, come on, because you hadn't been promiscuous or you're not being promiscuous because he wants you to have a happier home. It's not to hurt us, it's to help us. 
But if we'll say yes to his commandments and say yes to what the Spirit may be saying to us, God can bless us. Let me tell you, I experienced this in my own life. When Lynn and I just got married, we lived in California. Her parents came to us and said, hey, we've been praying, and we feel like the Lord wants us to help you buy a house. I mean, no, thank God for, for in-laws like that. I hadn't thought about it, no consideration. We'll make the down payment, you make the monthly payments, and we'll split the house at some point, split, split the profits. Well, we kept it for seven years. It had tripled in value. A little 1,100-square-foot house had tripled in value. And then he, my father-in-law comes over one day and says, I've been praying, and I feel like the Lord's told me we need to get out of the real estate market because it's at its top. Well, I didn't want to move out of my house. Come on. We'd made it a comfortable little home. But he said, the Lord spoke to me. We sold it, captured the value. In just a few months, that San Francisco earthquake 25 years ago happened, and the Bay Area plummeted in real estate values. But we got out just in time. I had money in my jeans to come here and buy the beautiful home we live in today. You say, well, boy, you had a smart father-in-law. Yeah, but more importantly, I had someone that listened to God, come on, and did what he said. And when we do what God says, it has practical benefits to us, not just heaven in the ethereal world. Let me give you another one quickly. Can I have a couple extra minutes today? Extra five minutes? Five, 10, 15, 20. That should be plenty. Just kidding. The widow said yes to God's word and didn't let fear or selfishness control her. Now listen to this. She said yes to God and didn't let fear stop her. Wasn't that the first thing that Elijah said? Don't be afraid. How many people, being honest today, sometimes struggle with, with, with fear when it comes to stepping out and obeying God? Come on, I do. How many people struggle with lying in church? Let me see your hands. I struggle with fear. I struggle with selfishness. Now, can you imagine the audacity of this guy? All she's got is a Happy Meal and doesn't even have a toy in it. It's like, it's like you trying to get one of those chicken nuggets from your kid's Happy Meal. Watch out. This woman, woman looked in the little Mac bag and said, okay, you can have two, and then two for my son and two for me, and that's it. Now, that takes something. It takes a risk to obey the man of God, but she did it because he had the word of the Lord. You know, it took, Peter took a risk when the Lord said, step out of the boat. He took a risk. He walked on the water. The disciples, when Jesus sent out the 12 and sent out the 70, he told them, don't take any money, don't make any reservations, don't even take a suitcase. You just begin to go and preach the gospel, and I'll take care of you. Now, how many know it takes faith when you don't have reservations? Listen, I want money, credit cards, and I want the reservations in advance, in my hand. But these guys just stepped out. I, the person that's taught me more about this than anyone, I think, in my life is our friend Larry Myers in Mexico. Uh, I used to travel with him a lot to southern Mexico, and we'd build churches for the Chamula Indians, little short guys, descendants of the Mayans. Christianity Today called them about 40 years ago the most violent people group in the Western Hemisphere. And God called him to go there, and today there's tens of thousands of these uh, Indians that were converted to Christ. Whole villages will come to Christ. Well, one of his ministries is helping build churches in areas that don't have any. Well, he and I, after we were building a church down there, but he said, why don't you come go with me? We're going to look at another village. And he walks in, and, and I can't understand, it's in Spanish, but, but he's there, the overseer's there, and the pastor's there, and he's asking to build a church. Well, then Larry takes a few minutes and kind of walks down this trail and comes back and said, I'll do it. And I asked him, I said, what'd you tell him? He said, I told him I'll build him a church. I said, do you have the money? And he said, no. And I said, well, where are you going to get it? And he said, I don't know. And I said, well, wait, 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 wait. 
What's happening here? He said, God told me to build them a church. So God has a responsibility to provide the money to do it. And today there's probably four or 500 church buildings throughout Mexico that were all built that way because somebody just heard what the Lord said, just like the woman, take some of your Happy Meal and give it away, said yes to God, and trusted the results to Him. Now, how many know that's a big thing? But if we say yes to what God is saying to us and not let fear stop us, how many know it's a good chance, come on, there's a Happy Meal on the other side for us? Let me, let me wrap this up here. You see, saying yes to God activates something spiritually. In Luke 6.38, Jesus made this statement that's been much abused. But Jesus said, the way you give to others is the way God will give to you. Luke 6.38. Again, not a gimmick. But the way you give, God will give to you. And that's exactly what the widow woman did. She gave to someone else that was in need. Because the Lord directed her to do that, and in turn, God blessed her and cared for her. Now, I see this happen in our own church. I was talking with our bookkeeper recently, and we were just amazed at the financial difference in our church over the last 15 or 20 years. We basically tripled. And we look at each other, and we know we're not that smart. And it's not because of the stage. It's not because of technology and radio. It's, I believe it's because we help a lot of poor and needy people, and we do a lot of world missions. Let me say it again. I believe it's because we use a lot to help other people come on and advance the gospel. And when you do this and live in such a way, you become valuable to God. Come on. If God can trust you with wealth, if he can trust you with what he puts in your hands to be able to help other people to populate heaven, how many know you're on the right track for God being able to care for our needs? Come on, because he's a good father and we can trust him with our future. Let me wrap up with this. In Psalm 116... The psalmist said, what can I give the Lord for all the good things he's given to me? What can I give the Lord for all the good things he's given to me? Or the ESV says, his benefits. And the psalmist said, I will lift up the cup of salvation and I will pray to the Lord. Now, it's not a prayer of petition, but this is a prayer of thanksgiving. He is rejoicing in what God's done for him. And listen to what he said. He said, I will keep my promises to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Here's a guy that said, God has been good to me. And because he's been good to me, I want to keep saying yes to him. Come on. He is a good God. He is a good father. And it's not a gimmick, but our father cares about us. And if we'll stay on mission, if we'll stay strong in our spiritual disciplines, if we'll do what the Holy Spirit says, if we'll obey the Scripture, if we will allow God to flow through our lives and say yes to Him, it's a good chance He's going to take care of us in our everyday life. huh? He's going to get us out of prison, and He's going to put food on our table just like He did for those before us. Give Him a good hand today. He's worthy of our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet, and we're going to have a song and close in prayer. Let me share a little story with you that the Lord brought to mind. I shared last night. We're talking about giving. We're talking about being a, a channel of God's blessing to bless others. I got a text message this week from a pastor friend, and they dig water wells in, in poor areas. I'm talking about areas that people drink water out of a ditch or people drink water out of a pond, the same pond that the cows go to. Do you know most people, most deaths in the world today are caused because people don't have clean water to drink? Well, anyway, and having to know a good thing is not always a God thing. But I kept his text message before me a few days, and I was praying about it. And I said, Lord, is this something you want us to do? I'm just telling you how our church works. 
Is this something you want us to do? Well, I felt the Lord said yes, and I was praying, who should I call? The first name came to my mind was called Jason, Jason Vanderhoof. And I said, Jason, would you like to lead a team in January, February to go down and dig some water wells in Mexico? He said, you won't believe this. I said, yes, I will. But he said, just today I was talking to someone about what we're doing for the kingdom of God. He said, I don't have to think about this. God's already been talking to me. I'll do it. So think about this. You have right now today a church in several villages. They'll probably do three. In three villages somewhere where there's Christian influence and a Christian pastor will lead the way with some Americans and these people are praying for water to drink. They're carrying it who knows how far. And now you've got somebody that said yes to be the driller. You've got a preacher here that said yes. And then you've got somebody to go that said yes. And you'll have six or eight people that will say yes. And the gospel will go with a clean cup of water. And my friends, that's the way the kingdom of God should work. Come on. And as we make ourselves valuable like this to God, we can trust that God will care for us because he delights, come on, in his children just like you do in yours. Well, Lord, today we just simply want to say yes. Can you just reach out to heaven right now and just say, yes, Lord? Lord, I just want to get in the habit of saying yes to you. I want to wake up in the morning and perhaps the first words out of my mouth is, yes, Lord. I want to have a yes, Lord, the way that I treat my spouse, the way that I treat my kids. I want to have a yes word to Christian character, the way that I work on my job and the way that I treat people. I want to have a yes, Lord, to my mission. Yes, Lord, to people that are lost and in need. I want to have a yes, Lord, just like that woman did when it's time for me to share with what I have with someone else. I want my life to be one big yes. We just welcome you today, Holy Spirit. Can you just say that? Just say, Lord, I don't want you to be on the shelf. I, I, I don't want to pray when I'm in trouble. I, 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 want, I want to have a lifestyle where I have a relationship with you. Just invite God to come closer now. Nobody can do this for you but you. Just say, Lord, I want you to be closer. Closer tomorrow than you are today. Yes, Lord. Let's close with one last personal prayer. I'm going to sing one song and dismiss. But I'm going to, I wonder today if you're here, if you say, Pastor, God has really spoken to me about something in this message. And I, wanna, I need to pray about that. I need to say yes to the Lord because when I get out in the world, it's pretty hard to do. I find in my own life it's a lot easier to say yes to the Lord when I'm in church, come on, than when I get out in the car when I go home. Some of you may be in a relationship right now that is pulling you in the wrong direction. But you don't know how you're going to make it if you don't get out of it. But God is calling you. Now look, I'm not trying to put anything on you, but I'm saying if God is calling you, it might be a hard thing what he's asking. But can I tell you this? God can make a way where there is no way. That we don't have to walk in fear and anxiousness, but we can trust God. It may be anything in your world, but something that you just want to settle today, let us pray for you. Obviously, we'll also pray for any need you have, or if you just want to talk to somebody a moment, they'll be here. But the most important thing we'd like to offer prayer for is about your personal soul, your salvation. So you don't get to heaven by going to church. You get to heaven when you surrender your life to Christ. When you believe in Jesus and turn and follow Him. Remember I told you when I was 18, when I was in trouble, I'd pray. But I was kind of like going my own way, doing my own thing. But one day somebody told me what I'm telling you is that God wanted a personal relationship with my life. And I knew what was missing. It was a God-shaped hole that nothing else fulfilled. And I knew it would be in a relationship with Christ. And I said yes to Jesus on August 15, 1976. I surrendered my life to Him. I asked for His forgiveness. I received him as my Savior and committed to follow him as my Lord. Maybe that's what you need to do today. Maybe you need to give your life to Christ. Maybe you've gotten off track. 
and need to get back on, this is your day. And it's the most important prayer we'll pray. When our prayer team comes in just a moment, if you're committing your life to Christ, I want to encourage you to just go right by this cross and someone will meet you there and pray for you and give you something to help you in your journey. But right now, I'm going to ask that our prayer team would come forwards and we'd just like to pray for you, whatever it may be, where there's a need in your life. Please don't leave if God is drawing you. This could be a miracle moment, a defining point in your life. You come, let us pray. If you're committing your life to Christ, just slip out of your chair. Come on up and somebody will pray for you. I love you very much. Thanks for being here. We'll dismiss after the song. Make sure you get your constitution on the way out. missed and we look forward to seeing you guys next week god bless you
home.